0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Shows Network's Dr. Christopher Hall Show and Podcast Magazine. I'm the sports category director for Podcast Magazine. I'm going to interview our guest today, an NFL pro bowler, but I'm going to introduce my co-host first, Dr. Christopher Hall. Dr. Christopher Hall, how are you? Thanks for coming by. Oh,
1: no problem. I'm great. How are you doing, Neil?
0: Fantastic. Let's interview, introduce our guest. Well, no problem. Wow, we're really excited about our guest today.
1: You know, we have a gentleman who is a uh, former NFL superstar, a pro bowler. Uh, a gentleman who knows a lot about uh, hard work and, uh, and being successful. And So, wow, very excited to welcome to the show, uh, Mr. Mike Wall. Welcome to the
0: show, Mike.
2: Guys, thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely, Mike. You know, I'm going to jump in right off the bat and talk about, you know, specifically enough uh, – The journey that you've had in life and thinking about starting out, did you feel that this journey would lead to where you are today? (laughs) That's a great
2: question. Um, I think when I was younger, you know, when I was younger, I I tell people this, uh, I I just wanted to be a professional athlete. I wanted to play, you know, and it turned out I I was going to play pro football. But um, I was one of those kids who I had good grades. My my parents raised me to to put school first. Uh, Both parents were educators early early in my life but I didn't really think of myself as having a plan B. I I wanted to play professional sports. That was my dream. Um, I got in an argument with a third grade teacher over a paper I wrote that I was going to be a professional athlete. She gave it back to me and said, you know, I want you to write about something more realistic. And I gave it back to her and said, I'll just take the bad grade because this is what I'm going to do. And so, you know, once I got there and I was living out my dream and trying to be the best version of myself, um, I didn't ever think about, I was myopic. And that, that, and sometimes that has, uh, you know, good connotation and then also a poor connotation, but I was very myopic and, and, and singular and my focus to be become the best version of myself on, on the football field. Um, I didn't really think about, and I, I almost intentionally didn't think about what was going to happen after football. I wanted to put, you know, it's I, you make a lot of money, you're living out your dream. You want to give it, you, it's a finite amount of time. You want to give it the best chance you, you can have to kind of have no regrets when you're done with that career. Uh, and, and so when I got out, I was lucky that uh, I have a great family. That supported me. Um, you know, Certainly I have a lot of curiosity and a lot of things that I was interested in that are kind of ancillary to football. And uh, I got to try out a bunch of different things and, and landing on where I'm at now with going back into sports and, and helping parents, players, and coaches kind of develop that tool set to become elite is something that uh, it really just fits in nicely with my personality and, and what I've always kind of been about. So uh, I'm, I'm really, I, I didn't, I don't know if I thought I was going to be here if you would ask me 15 years ago, but uh, I'm, I'm really happy with how things have turned
0: out so far. Good, Chris. What question do you have first to Ask Mike? Yeah, wow, that's very interesting, Mike. Uh, well,
1: you know, some of the things is, you know, Mike, as a doctor, I do a lot of young people and. You know, I think what uh, these days, you know, those people are, wasn't well, need a role models and, and people who've done, you know, who, who made steps in their lives to be an example. And I think you're obviously a person like that. Um, uh, tell us what, what, what was it like um, just, you know, going off to the Naval Academy and um, uh, playing for a, a great institution uh, like the Naval Academy? What was that like Coming from high school and from uh, Lake Hill, California? So,
2: growing up in Lake Arrowhead, California, I mean, we we had one stoplight. It, it was a Division Eight, uh, one being the one being the highest ranked division. It was a Division Eight school in Southern California. So there was powerhouse schools, and then there was room of the world. I didn't come from an, a, a great football program, and I think when I was growing up, I, I just assumed that I was going to go to USC or get a scholarship to you know Cal Berkeley or something. When I had oper- when when it kind of started playing out about what was going to happen with my my college career. I was very fortunate. Um, I didn't have a lot of opportunities. I wasn't a good high school football player. I was much better at basketball and baseball, but you know, football seemed to be my path. And I, I was very lucky that coach Charlie Weatherby uh, came in. He was the, that was his first recruiting season for the, the Naval Academy. And he came in with just an amazing staff. And so I was fortunate to get picked up. I had good grades and kind of fit their criteria. Um, I don't, I'm not sure even now if they were sure exactly where they were going to play me um, given my dimensions and my, in my history, but I was so lucky to be with Charlie Weatherby, to be with Paul Johnson, Kenny Malololo, uh Phil Emery, who was uh, ended up being the general manager of the Chicago Bears and, and still works for the Atlanta Falcons. But he was my strength and conditioning coach, probably aside from my father, the single most important coach I've ever had in my life. But I can't forget Todd Spencer and Gene McKee and the offensive line coaches there. So I was just so lucky to be in that environment and be in a situation where, you know, quite frankly, guys, when you're at the Naval Academy, And you're a a freshman, at least back in the '90s. They don't really like football players, and so understanding that if you go back to Bancroft Hall, where where the where the 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 academy students live, you're going to be harassed until until it's uh, it's study hall time. So I would stay in the football offices, and I would lift weights, and I would work out, and I would, you know, just just be around football. And I started seeing this correlation between wow, I put in this much time, I'm getting this kind of output, and I like that. I like that feeling, and it it really helped kind of shape the way I thought about the rest of my career.
0: You know, it's thinking about that, uh, the discipline that the Naval Academy brings to you. Did you have that discipline before attending the Naval Academy when you were in, you know, growing up in, in high school and younger? Did you have that kind of discipline that the Naval Academy brings? I think to some extent,
2: the answer has to be yes, because I think my parents raised me to understand the difference between sacrifices and trade-offs. So a lot of people, you know, that you think about things you have to give up to be successful. I just I was thinking I never thought of it as as something that I was giving up. I just thought it was a trade-off trade-off for for me to be better at what I really wanted to do. Um, For example, you know, obviously in high school, kids are going out Friday night and, and going to parties. And if I had practice the next morning. You know, my, I was dating my my wife, my now wife in high school, and I think her curfew was 11. I'd have her home at 10 if I had a game the next morning. I mean, this, it just wasn't a question. And so I always kind of always had my priorities because I knew where I wanted to go. Um, I was very lucky to meet my wife at an early age, and she kind of had priorities as far as what she wanted to do and where she wanted to go to college, et cetera, et cetera. So I was um, I came into that situation, I think, in some aspects uh, ready made for the military, but in other aspects, especially when it came to understanding the authority chain and, and and everything that goes along with actually being in in a military school, I I wasn't prepared for, but I think generally with discipline and understanding, you know, the power of trade-offs and owning your career, I think I had a lot of that. It it took a lot of work and obviously I had great mentors and coaches along the way. Um, But, you know, but I think my parents instilled that, that idea uh, with me at a young age.
0: Good, Chris. Next question.
1: Wow, that, that's great. And, you know, and uh, I can sort of relate to that. You know, uh, myself being a veteran, you know, I was a captain in the army and a doctor. And so, yeah, I think kind of what you're saying there, Mike, that that discipline model and uh, having the bars you have to reach to, uh, to make things uh, happen is very important. So, wow. Well, it looks like you know you certainly you know showed that same discipline on the field for 11 years. And um, uh, talk a little about that. I mean, just some of the challenges you had. Uh, in the NFL and,
2: and those kind of things. So when you come from a military school, first of all, the, the military schools uh, as, as great as they are. And as many, le- I mean, listen, I don't think there's a better group of men that you can be around in, in a, in a college football environment than somewhere like the United States Naval Academy. I mean, if I was going to start any, any mass business right now and you said, who, who do I, if you put a gun to my head and said, who do I have to hire? I would hire the, 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 the football players that i played with or, or the people in that program they're just such a high quality individual so competent trustworthy loyal etc um but when you're coming into the, the national football league you're dealing with people from the sec the acc pac-12 i mean you have some real bona fide five-star athletes um, that played at a high level we, we ran the option offense so i was not prepared i think from a competition standpoint from a technical standpoint just understanding how the process worked, I I was very, very naive coming into the league. And the one thing, again, just going back to being at the Naval Academy, where we were so happy to be on the the football field every day and not be back in Bancroft Hall, that our practices were very intense, full speed, full contact, tackling the quarterback, cutting our defensive linemen. And so the one thing that I could kind of get down with where other people didn't want to in, in the National Football League was I could practice hard as long as you wanted me to. And when I mean hard, I mean, I could go really, really intense. I could, you know, you, you'd make a lot of people angry, but I was preparing at a level that eventually was going to, you know, if, if they gave me the time, it was going to work out eventually because you, you put so much effort into it. Um, that ruffles a lot of feathers, I think, sometimes, especially now when people are trying to elongate their careers. But, you know, back then especially, you know, you go in, you got a little bit to you. Football is one of those sports that if, if you just got a little something to you and you're, and you're willing to work hard – you can, you can make up a lot of ground on people that maybe have better, more experience
0: or better technicians than you are in, in a very short amount of time. You know, it's interesting, Mike, when you talk about the NFL, not many people from military academies, especially in the 90s, had an opportunity to play professional sports. So you probably, when you were attending the Naval Academy, never thought in a million years, a million years that maybe you play in the NFL at that time period, right? I, you're you're not going to believe this because it's sound uh, this is how naive
2: I was Neil. I didn't have any doubt in my mind that I was that, that I wasn't going to play. Oh my. I had no I, I actually had no idea what I was going to do in the navy or in the marine corps. My my intention was always I'm going to be a professional athlete. I, I, t- I when I when I th- make that, you know, that reference to my third grade teacher, I, that was that was it for me. I really didn't have another plan. I wanted to do that. At the time when I got recruited, and listen to your point, nobody comes out of those places. But when I got recruited, I remember Charlie Weatherby saying, "Hey, listen, we're going to work on the restrictions that they've put in place now." So they, they, at the time, they weren't letting you come out; they weren't letting you uh, come out. You had to serve your five years. But you know, they said that was one of their that was one of the things they said to me that I bought hook, line, and sinker, and, and just held on to was they're going to figure a way for me to be able to get out of here and play ball. And um, <laughs> I know that sounds, it sounds, it sounds ridiculous to me now, but that's just how I thought about things. Wow.
0: I mean, uh, is not that, is that amazing, Chris?
1: Yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that's definitely amazing. You know, definitely amazing because I mean, he had a goal I mean, he set that goal and he just worked really hard towards it. And, and, and so,
0: you know, he became successful and it's great. All right, Chris. Yeah. What's, okay, good. Chris, what's the next question?
1: Oh no. So, you know, some of the things I know he's, he's been involved in uh, with, with business and those kind of things. And one of the things I heard him say is that kind of, you know, athletes are, are making business decisions on the field and, and off. So uh, kind of expand on that, Mike, what does that mean?
2: Uh, Referencing business decisions on and off the field. Well, listen, it's a different time now. And, and, and I, and I think you can see this maybe more than ever in the national football league. I, I can't really, I don't, I don't want to speak on, on other sports, although obviously you can see rule changes in the NBA as well. It's an easy one to think about, but now uh, back then, when I got into the national football league, the the thought process was always, you know, and I'm talking about kind of the top level players that, you know, or even the upper 30, 40% of players, you thought, I have a finite amount of time to do this. And that was usually around eight or 10 years, 12, if you were lucky, I'm going to do it. I want to do it as best I can. I want, you know, whatever that whatever that meant to that person. And we weren't always trying and the money was great, but it wasn't like it is now. And they're not they weren't just trying to extend their careers as long as they can. And, and what's happened with the safety protocols? What's happened with the with fantasy football and everything becoming offensively friendly, cutting down the amount of work they can do in the offseason, training camps being easier. You can extend your career now and the money is so great that you know, by your second contract, you'll never have to work another day in your life and neither were your grandchildren. And so what happens is, and we see this in all walks of life, when you can find success early, I think for, you know, 90% of the population out there, it's very difficult to keep the thing, the thing, the thing being what you grew up wanting to do with your life. And you start looking elsewhere. You start thinking about building your brand. You start thinking about going into other businesses and, and letting this platform that you have um, kind of get you and open other doors for you. And, I, and and at some level, I think that's great, but I just really, I really value and appreciate. And I think if you watch TV or you watch the NBA, major league baseball in the NFL, I think you'd appreciate that the best, the absolute best of the best are the guys that are still making the thing, the thing. And, and, and that's something we don't see as much anymore of,
0: you know, and see Mike that, that's, I love the connection you bring up about, you know, you play a sport, you do certain things your whole life. Right. And you're in the NFL and your career ends. And now you have to think about things you never thought about before. Thinking about personal branding. Think about business dealings. Thinking about those things. Cause an average NFL career ends, unless you're Tom Brady, right, <laughs> at a certain age and you're on to this new phase of your life, it's going to be a lot more of your life. And even if you have all the money in the world, you still want to have fulfillment. You know, and people when they retire from real life, meaning not professional athlete or certain things where it's very early, like, you know, when they're 65, they can't figure out what to do when you're in the peak of your life, when you retire from football uh, or any sport, and you don't understand personal branding, you don't understand how to, you know, business dealings and all those things. It makes it very difficult. And it's a total change from what you did the whole, your whole life. I'm summarizing that, but definitely validating what you're saying.
2: Yeah, I just had a great conversation with Evan Mathis, who, who was drafted in Carolina in 2005 when I was there. And he's he's he had an extremely successful career, um, was a two-time All-Pro. And when he retired, he's now on to his, his, I guess, his second career after football. And, you know, the point being, if you're lucky, you play 10 years, let's say you can extend that to 15 now. I mean, gosh, when you're done, you still have 60 years left on this earth. and And it's like, you have to, you're not going to ever probably match professional sports, but you have to, you have to find things that you're passionate about. You have to find things that you're good at and you enjoy doing. And you have to go try to do something with your life that makes you have a sense of fulfillment. Now, for some people that could be raising their kids, for some people that could be working with charities, for some people that could be going into real estate, you know, everybody's going to be different. But you find that hopefully if you did it, if you did it the best you could you're going to see that a lot of lessons that you learned in getting to where you got in the professional sports world are going to carry over mm. uh, obviously into the rest into the rest of your life and it's just a question if you can make that connection because sometimes it is difficult particularly with a lot of guys you know what a lot of guys have a hard problem a uh, hard time with Chris Neal, is, is they have a really hard time not being on a schedule anymore I mean just something as simple as that and you go well well you can create your own schedule and it's like yeah you can but it's just something as simple as that maybe sometimes they don't and so being able to take some of those lessons and take some of those behaviors that you've that have made you what you are in the professional sports world and be able to transition those over i think that's what really kind of propels um, I, if not financial success i think personal success and feeling a sense of accomplishment uh, off the field
0: all right chris next
1: question wow wow it's so interesting oh yeah no problem well, you know I, don't know, I don't know if Mike knows that. You know, we had one of his uh, uh, teammates uh, on, on the show here, uh, Brett Favre. And uh, uh-huh. so uh, tell us a little bit about that, your actual Brett, and uh, just uh, being uh, around uh, uh, great players like that.
2: So when I was drafted in 1998 to the Green Bay Packers, um, they had just come off two Super Bowls. Brett was already a three-time MVP. And so you're walking into a locker room, not only with Brett Favre, but Leroy Butler, Hall of Famer, Reggie White. Hall of Famer, Mark Chamura, Frank Winter, Santana, Dotson, Gilbert Brown. I mean, I mean, you're just talking about big-time NFL athletes, especially as a rookie coming in uh, and just being able to see the way these guys handle their business, the way they interact in the locker room. You know, the biggest thing that I learned from that group, Brett, maybe nobody more so than Brett, but really that group in, in totality, was that football is a very – kind of a macho sport. And you see a lot of, you know, you see a lot of videos or you see a lot of movies where guys are banging their heads against the wall or playing loud music, kind of getting hyped up. And, and the truth is a lot of people do that because they're afraid of of, of contact or they're afraid of getting embarrassed, right? There's a, there's a fear factor. And so you have to manufacture emotion to kind of get ready to play. And, and one thing that those guys taught me and, and something that I took with me for the rest of my life is if you put in the work and you're confident in what you do and you know you're good, you can just go ahead and be good. And you can go ahead and go out there with a calmer demeanor in, in kind of the, the parasympathetic state and go out and enjoy, you know, we, we used to talk about you work hard, you kick ass and you enjoy doing both. And you can go out there and do that with the people that you really like working with and just have a, a totally different experience than one that where you have to manufacture emotion to get out there and, and play it at a high level.
0: You know, that's just wow. something Mike, uh, that's the the thing leaders learning from those all-stars those superstars on in that sport what do you think you learned most from as a mentor playing for the packers
1: i think
2: that's probably the best lesson that i that, that was taken that i took away from the experience and it was it was learned you know i don't think i absorbed that my first year you kind of absorb that over time and you see how people are preparing you see the state of their you kind of see the state they're in before games, how they approach practice, how prepared they are on a Wednesday. Um, the you know, the, the level of demand that different coaches have for their, their players in, in, in rooms. But I think the other thing that I learned was I, I was listen, you're so lucky in professional sports, there's probably 15 or 10, maybe even 10 percent of the players that are so good that it doesn't really matter where they're going to go. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be all pros or or all stars depending on what sport you're playing, regardless of where they land. But the majority of successful athletes are, are, you know, it really is a nature nurture combination and where you get drafted and the people you that are, that the people that you're surrounded with have a huge impact on your, your ultimate success. And I went to the Naval Academy, which at first glance isn't a huge school, when you talk about, you know, college football, but the people that I was surrounded with the coaching staff and the players that I was surrounded with really created the conditions for me to thrive and improve and develop. And I, you know, the same thing with the green Bay Packers, I'm, I'm going to arguably the best organization in, in not only football, but professional sports Lambeau field uh, to me, that's Yankee stadium of, of, of football, American football. And you're with this, you know, Team that had just been in the Super Bowl for the last two years, full of guys who have done it at the highest level, full of guys who know how to prepare and know how to deal with each other and know how to handle a locker room. And I I just I was really, really lucky. I could have gone somewhere else and and maybe never seen the light of day. So you just understand now. And I see these guys now, the NFL drafts going on as we speak. And, you know, some of these, you know, there's a reason that it's a coin flip, whether or not first first rounders make it or not. And a lot of it has to do with where they end up or where they get drafted. Excuse me.
0: You know, it's interesting that you talk about, uh, you know, how important that mentorship and that leadership develops in your life and how it grew. Chris, too, through the military, Chris, you can share, has led him through a success. He's an emergency room doctor. He also is a best-selling author and a Nobel Prize nominated doctor. So, Chris, can you expound upon what the military did for you, Chris, and then ask the next question for Mike?
1: Oh, yeah, we no problem. I mean, I think, and I think so far as uh, just really the discipline and then just the level of people you see, you know, pretty much on the playing field, whether it's uh, actually out in the, the field, the military, the, the kind of leaders you see and, and gravitating towards those leaders and trying to emulate what, what they're doing. Um, obviously, uh, uh, being prompt. Um, Having values and, and honors, simple honors, as, as so far as treating other people the way you'd like to be treated, uh, and fairness, and, uh, and so yeah, those are things that, that we find that, that our military services bring. So, um, and uh, and so, uh, Mike, uh, I guess my next question for Mike is uh, all these, uh, everything that you've learned, you know, everything you've been through, uh, certainly there were challenges. Uh, uh, like you said, going inside that very highly competitive environment. Um, it looks like you, you put kind of a program together that would be uh, uh helpful for other athletes. Um, we see a lot of them coming from uh, the professional fields and they they don't do very well uh, post post uh, career. So, what are those what kind of principles do they need? The, the guys who are kind of getting out, and it's kind of a probably a whole new thing to them. You know, just leaving uh, the NFL and.
2: Uh, what's that feeling like going out there and just thinking what you want to do? Well, you know, I think how you leave the sports world has a lot to do with at least your short-term perceptions of yourself and, and your career. Um, in the National Football League, it's the only thing I could really speak on with, because of my experience. You know, my, I have friends that were, were fortunate enough to, to play until they wanted to retire, and so that kind of leaves you feeling a certain way. Um, I have friends that were injured and were forced to retire. And that kind of leaves you feeling a different way. And then I have friends that were just got old or weren't good enough and got cut and nobody wanted them anymore. And that, that kind of leaves you feeling a different way. And so you have to deal with those and maybe there's other ones, but those three main ways of kind of getting out of sports. I think you have to process that and, and understand that, However, you got out. That doesn't define you as a as a human, or as a as a father, or as a as a as a husband. Um, and you have to come to 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 come to you know grips with that and be at peace with that. I think that's probably, in the at least in the short term, the first couple of years, the hardest thing for people to get over, particularly people who are either getting old or or, or just cut and or being told they're not good enough anymore. I think that's very difficult. Um, and after that, you know, it really is about. And it's not going to happen. A lot of guys think it's just going to happen overnight, but it really is about finding things that interest you and going in and using the same principles that got you to where you were in the sporting world. If you're willing to work that hard, using the same principles to get you up to speed with people that have been doing this now for 5, 10, 15 years, whatever it is, while you were being a professional athlete. And, you know, that, that is the rub, right? Like if you go into, for example, I went into, uh, I went into the financial world and I was, I was a trader uh, amongst other things. And what I realized after a couple of years of trading was um, my level of passion for that and having, you know, alarms going off at, you know, when, when China's market starts at two thirty in the morning, doing all of those things, I didn't have this, the same level of passion as like, for, for example, my mentor did. And while it's, uh, while, while that is a, it is a very interesting, it is a very, uh, high speed, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for a, a career that, that really kind of gets your, get your blood flowing. You know, if you're not, if you're not super passionate about that and there's people that have been doing this for 15 years while you've been playing sports, that might not be the space for you unless you're really willing to put in the work that it takes to become kind of the best version of yourself in that endeavor. And so for a lot of guys, it's just a question of trying to find that thing that you're willing to put the effort forth that you're gonna feel like you, you kind of earned a good night's rest every night.
0: So, so, so true in, in so many ways. And Chris, I'm gonna jump back to you again uh, with talking about experiences and challenges and what Mike did deal with a challenge in the way of figuring out that, you know, he really wanted to help young people Versus Chris, versus not, versus uh, you know the the grind of of being a trader. And Chris, you figure these things out, don't you, throughout time when deciding a career?
1: Oh yeah, no, no doubt. And um, pretty much, I mean, it, I think it's kind of uh, actually the, the life experience, your interactions, and uh, again, uh, once you you get comfortable uh, in, in kind of what you're doing. Uh, and then seeing kind of the, the trees from the forest, you know, kind of what's important and the pressure we leave on people. And so that's why I'm so glad that we have a uh, uh, guest like Mike uh, Wall that comes on and, and, and kind of gives us a different perspective
0: of. Uh, exactly. You know. Yeah. Yes. And, and we're going to, Chris, we're going to jump some quick podcasting questions for Mike. Mike, now, you know, you talk about two podcasts you're doing. We're going to talk about the one with the Green Great Packers, but I might ask one other question. As a podcaster, did Mike, did you always think about doing podcasts? And was that surprising to you that you were, that you're doing a podcast?
2: I didn't always think about it. It is surprising. I really started doing it um, when COVID hit. And I, it was, it was because we were living in San Diego and I Uh, Both my kids are, are young athletes and I'm kind of always around and we have different, you know, this is, I've always, I was training football players when I was playing football. I got my strength conditioning certifications. That was the first thing I did when I got out. Um, I've always been really interested in movement and, and, and kind of understanding best, best practice movement patterns and how they apply to different sports. And so when we, when COVID hit, I was not able to interact with a lot of the, the parents and the coaches and the players that I was interacting with on the daily and I really just started uh, the process to perform podcast to be able to interact with those specific people and just kind of um, you know it was more you know trying to trying to maintain a community and um, you know that's now two years later you know, we <laughs> still going on still creating content for for you know, parents players and coaches uh, and it's been a great experience I, I wasn't sure. I don't know if I really started with much more, with much more of a plan. Than to just try to you know reach out to my community in a, in a during that COVID time when
0: everybody was feeling isolated. Interesting. And talking about podcasting in general, uh, with podcast preparation with both of your shows, how many hours a week do you spend preparing for your podcast? podcasts? Podcasts. Yeah, you know, right.
2: Well, uh, I think I think for the process to perform, uh, it, it depends on whether we're going to you know, review a certain topic um, or we're going to deal with you know uh, have a have a guest on. Usually, I spend a couple hours trying to research the guest and, and make sure I, you know, read as much as I can or, or listen to different podcasts that they've been on or just understand their background and and kind of really develop questions that are maybe not what you're going to hear in everybody else's, you know, standard podcasts and, and really think about um, getting to. I, I'm a big believer in just trying to break down complex ideas into simple ideas, and so people, everybody, can understand and, and kind of get down to the root cause of of whatever they're. Their areas of opportunity are, and so we really try to dive into that. And then, um, with uh, with our on my block podcast, the Packers podcast I do with on Green. I mean, listen, I'm a football junkie. I watch film all the time. So if you're asking me how much work do we put in, I would say very, very minimal because I, I love watching film. I watch film all day. So that counts
0: work. That counts an hour. Yeah, if that counts, work. if that yeah, counts, you, as you watch work, NFL then, football, college football, and, <laughs> and constantly for the draft. You probably put in ten hours, twenty hours, thirty hours a week. Yeah. Dog. Oh, easily. Yeah. But, I mean, if you think about it, and I, I still work with some
2: professional athletes. I, you know, I work with all these guys and I watch, I watch tape of, of pro athletes. I watch tape of the college guys I have, even down to the 12 year olds I have, if they, if they send me film, I mean, we're watching because we're, we're, we're trying to understand how they see, how they see the world and how they see their experiences and how their movements can be um, improved,
0: etc. So gosh, I, it,
2: it, it, it takes up most of my day that, that I don't uh, spend with my wife and kids.
0: Okay. All right. There you go. So it's funny when I talk to guys about it and it's just the second nature, but ultimately you're doing something you love and doing it and preparing. What is your goal with your podcast, meaning with uh, the Packers podcast? What do you hope to gain and goal? What is the ultimate goal with that podcast for you?
2: Well, Aman, well, it was really interesting. Aman and I started doing this podcast. The Believe Network just came to us and said, Do you, do you want to host a Packers podcast kind of off off the cuff? And I said, I don't know. I'll think about it. And they said, Well, the Green said he'd do it with you. He's my old teammate, and we're you know we we love each other. And I said, oh. so it was like a no brainer. Um, now that we've done it and really enjoy, I, I just forgot how much I enjoy just talking about sports and you know particularly uh, football, and then even even drill down a little bit more talking about the Packers and their opponents. I just really enjoy it. So I think from this, it's been a good platform for for us to me in particular to start learning how to. Uh, be in front of the microphone with a, a larger audience that's maybe not talking the, the specifics of player development that, that I usually talk about. And what I'd love to get out of this, I think, over the long term is really diving into larger media areas and, and you know start commentating, either being on uh, you know the, the Sunday sit-downs with, during NFL games or, or start working on some uh, specific individual games and, and start diving in and giving a little more color and commentary uh, about what's going on in the league. Because I, I really enjoy some perspectives that we see uh, from some of these commentators, but I think other ones are, I just, you can always, you know, you always see yourself and think, okay, I think I can go do that and do a really good job at it. I'd love to, uh, love to get that shot.
0: All right. So ultimately you'd like to see it grow to being in the commentator for bigger deals. And for the podcast, you'd love to be considered the best Packers podcast. You probably already think you're the best Packers podcast because you know, there are other guys in the media doing them as well. Right.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's, football it's has been it, football is a very interesting sport now guys in, in that analytics has taken over um, and listen it's just like anything else if, if you want to put out you know 50, 50 60 tweets a day touting analytics that have no what I call contextual intelligence which means that you know, which means very simply to me the numbers without context are, are, are usually not helpful for the athlete um, and I usually still look through things for the the, the lens of the athlete Um there's a lot of there's a lot of podcasts out there. If you want expert analysis and really understanding the intimacy of what it feels like to go, you know, and and breathe the breathe against the uh the uh, the opponent and understand all those those nuances of the game. I don't know if you're gonna find a better podcast for Greek, for the Green Bay Packers in particular than Iman and modernized, but there's a lot of information out there. Um there's there's a lot of, you know, even now with the draft, there's a lot of draft experts and and, and for us, we just want to continue to put out Good content, really, really unique insight, and uh, you know, keep building that base.
0: All right, Chris, go ahead and define and summarize the interview with Mike. Go ahead, Chris.
1: Wow, well, with well, no problem, no problem at all. Well, there you have it. You know, the best and the brightest, the alumnus of the, the Naval Academy, a pro bowler, a uh, veteran, eleven-year NFL uh, veteran, and so a lot of great points for our young people. You know, uh, follow your role models. He kind of, he kind of stated that. Uh, uh, discipline, uh, hard work, have goals, uh, no matter your phase of life, what's been working for you, keep doing that on the field and off the field. That's what Mike wanted to do it. So, wow. It was just great to have him on the show today. So thanks for coming on, Mike.
2: Guys, thanks for having me. It was fun.
0: Yeah. then also Mike, where can we check out the podcast? The believe podcast networking available in all, all the different podcasts
2: right yeah so uh, process to perform and on my block both podcasts are available wherever you get your podcast apple spotify etc cetera, etc cetera.
0: and then and the believe for with with i uh, yeah,
2: believe network is the one that runs the uh, on my block podcast with them on green uh, you can get that on believe but you, you can also get it wherever you get your podcast i think uh, we've tried to make things as available as possible
0: well appreciate it mike uh, great information you are definitely a role model and what you're doing working with kids and and doing and transforming them, and and not just both athletically but mentally to prepare them for life. What a great uh, role model you are! And thanks for coming on. Thanks again for having me. All right, you're listening to the Dr. Christopher Hall Show, and also the this
1: is the podcast category director Neil Haley's interview with Mike Wall. Take care, guys.